Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, putting the carbon tax to a vote. All of Trudeau's MPs sold out their constituents and voted to make their home heating more expensive. The motion to suspend the carbon tax on all home heating goes before Parliament, with the parties shifting alliances just before the final vote. Coming up, we'll speak with MPs about the motion's defeat and why each party voted the way they did. Also... I think they should just get rid of the carbon tax and and work with the provinces on something that would actually help. The Council of the Federation meets in Halifax to discuss housing, health care and what many described as the lack of fairness in the federal carbon tax. Coming up, we will speak with Premier Scott Moe of Saskatchewan and Premier Blaine Higgs of New Brunswick. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. While the Conservative motion to expand a carbon tax break to all home heating came to a vote today, with the Tories getting some last-minute support from the NDP. Take a look at what happened. Mr. Meow. Yeas 4, 135, 185. Nays contre, 186, Given that the NDP was forced to flip-flop, on Trudeau's plan to quadruple the tax. He had to find a new partner to keep him in power and avoid this non-confidence vote from passing. And who was there to save him? The separatists. He's now signed on with the separatists to divide Canadians into two separate classes. Those who will have to pay carbon tax on their home heat and a small minority who will get a pause from the pain. So, the NDP siding with Conservatives in this matter, but the Bloc Québécois voting with the government to kill the motion. And with that, let's go to the foyer of the House of Commons. We're now joined by Adam Vancouverton, the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, Conservative Deputy Leader Melissa Lansman, and NDP House Leader Peter Julian. Hello to the three of you. Hi. Adam, I'm going to begin with you here because the Conservative motion was defeated, but the decision to put a pause on the carbon tax for home oil heating is still being called unfair in many parts of the country. Are you not concerned about the affordability challenges all Canadians face right now, not just those who use oil for heating? Absolutely we are, Michael, and it's, it's worth mentioning that home heating oil is extremely expensive. It's also the dirtiest way and the most inten- uh, emissions intensive way to heat one's home. And that's what we're trying to phase out. We're trying to phase out home heating oil in favour of free heat pumps right across the country to ensure that the most emissions intensive way of heating one's home is phased out just like coal was and is under the, the, uh, under, underway, I should say, because some provinces still uh, burn some coal. But, you know, I remember back in 2005, Ontario still burned a lot of coal for our energy. And unfortunately, we had 30 or 40 smog days that summer. And since phasing out coal, we've had far cleaner air in Ontario. You know, Canadians across the country deserve cleaner air. They deserve affordable home heating. And the uh, home heating 
uh, oil situation is that the, the vast majority of people that rely on home heating oil are lower income, and it's extremely expensive. And one of the reasons it's expensive is because of uh, the war in Europe and, and disproportionately higher costs for that product have, have made it both unaffordable and it remains the, the dirtiest and the most uh, emissions intensive. So we're phasing it out across the country. Uh, heat pumps are an effective and efficient way to heat one's home. Mm -hmm. It's far, far more environmentally friendly. And, and our plan will do just that while maintaining the integrity of a carbon pricing uh, program right across Canada. Okay, Melissa, what's your response to that? Because oil heating is carbon heavy and, and you know, doesn't the government have the right to bring about a policy that gives people a chance to get off of it by saving some money? Uh, and really, how different is this from past policies, for example, the coal-powered electricity that uh, Adam was talking about? Well, I think that's a lot of words to say that we made a political decision because our poll numbers were in the gutter to to give a tax break to some Canadians and not all Canadians. That's exactly what happened. In fact, the Minister of Rural Economic uh, uh, Affairs said so herself, that if you wanted a tax break, you needed to vote in more Liberals. And our question is, is that for all of those Liberals that represent all of the other ridings in this, uh, in this country, well, why don't those Canadians get a tax break? If it is in fact the dirtiest uh, um, way to heat your house, which, which it is, why would you, dis why would you incentivize people people to do that with a carbon, uh, with pausing the carbon tax. And well, I'll just remind you that it is a pause of the carbon tax, meaning that in three years, uh, when the Liberals want to go back to the polls, they're going to continue to quadruple the carbon tax. And that's with the help of the NDP and today with the help of their new coalition partners, uh, the separatists. But the NDP also voted 16 times to raise the carbon tax on Canadians. In fact, Mr. Julian, who's sitting with me right here, voted 11 times to increase the carbon tax. So they're also, uh, you know, a, a day late and a dollar short on this uh, on this policy. And the Carbon Tax Coalition continues to work together to, in to increase the prices on gas, groceries and home heating for all Canadians. Okay, Peter, interesting to hear that since your party did vote with the Conservatives uh, on this bill. What's, what is also interesting to me is that your party didn't say that last week. Has your equation for balancing affordability and environmental concerns changed? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, the Conservatives normally have crazy, wacky motions uh, that they, nobody can support. This time, uh, they actually wrote something that was comprehensible. And we saw the decision that was made two weeks ago by the Liberals as, as politically motivated, uh, improvised at the last minute, by back of a napkin thinking. So the House will have the opportunity tomorrow with the NDP motion to actually look at a comprehensive adult policy, uh, not the kind of flippant stuff that the Conservatives normally do and not the improvised nature of what the Liberals do. So tomorrow we'll be voting on taking the GST off of home heatings right across the country. That includes provinces like British Columbia and Quebec that have their own system. So it actually includes everybody, unlike uh, the Conservative approach. It would ensure that everybody has access to heat pumps, and this is something that the Liberals have fallen far short on. They, they like to announce programs, but they haven't actually put it into place. And so we want to make sure every Canadian family uh, that, that wants to can actually install that heat pump that's good for the environment. It's also good for their, their pocketbook. And then finally, we pay for the program by an excess profits tax on the oil and gas uh, CEOs. We've seen oil and gas uh, profits that are enormous, uh, 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 and we simply see that that excess profits can, can serve a, a better ben benefit, which is 
making sure Canadians have access to heat pumps. So the NDP, uh, we're the adults in the room yet again, uh, and what we're doing is putting forward comprehensive policy tomorrow uh, that uh, members of Parliament will be voting on, and we expect that members of Parliament will vote, adopt the NDP plan, uh, which is good for the environment and good for, for families that are struggling to make ends meet. Yeah, I'm wondering, Mr. Vancouver, what your response will be tomorrow, your party, because the Conservative leader right now says that Liberal MPs have sold out their constituents by voting against a tax break. Uh, are, are you concerned about constituents turning uh, against you? What do you say to them about uh, how your party stands on affordability again? Well, first of all, Milton has hundreds of people that use home heating oil, so uh, this is good news for them that we are, are, are phasing out those dirty uh, Which is home your heating riding. oil. Milton is where, where I represent, that's my home, and um, I agree with, with Mr. Julian that most of the Conservative motions are nonsense, uh, and I am frankly disappointed that the NDP capitulated today and voted in favour of a motion that was similarly flippant. Um, but, you know, I also have been reflecting on the fact that Progressive Conservative voters across Canada used to be able to rely on the Conservatives uh, for a little bit of leadership on fighting climate change. You know, I think about people like Michael Chong, who I used to really look up to as a Conservative in that caucus, uh, who stood up against Stephen Harper and said climate change is a real threat. He uh, ran on a, on a leadership campaign that was focused on a carbon uh, tax, which was revenue neutral, just like ours. Uh, he unfortunately lost that, um, that that leadership campaign. And but even more recently, people like Preston Manning and and, and others have advocated for a carbon tax. They know that it is is a market based instrument that works to lower our emissions. But even more recently than that, Aaron O'Toole and and my colleague Ms. Lansman ran on a commitment to price carbon just in 2021. Uh, so you don't have to go back very far to see how quickly the Conservatives have turned on their heels, turned against climate change. Canadians haven't given up on fighting climate change. They insist that we continue to lower our emissions and fight climate change. And it's really disappointing to see a lack of leadership from the Conservatives, from anybody in the Conservative Party on this. And today it was really unfortunate to see the NDP capitulate and, and, and vote to uh, with the Conservatives on, on stopping our, our, our efforts to fight climate change in okay. that regard. Okay, Peter, I'll get to you in, in a second. But Melissa, you know, I, I do wonder, because here is your party. You want to get rid of the carbon tax altogether. What would your party do instead to ensure environmental progress? Well, look, we're going to focus on, on technology and not taxes. This isn't a climate change plan. It is a tax plan. And it makes it punishes Canadians on everything they buy and everything they do and everywhere they go. They haven't reached a single environmental target that they themselves have set with this carbon tax. And the parliamentary budget officer uh, who they appointed has said that Canadians don't get back more than they spend on the carbon tax. So calling it a climate change policy, I think is, uh, you know, frankly, I think is, is, is not true. And we'd like to see the Liberals come to the table and stop punishing Canadians who at Two million, two million people have eaten in a, sing, in a food bank in a single month in this country. Canadians are wearing jackets at home because they can't afford the price of home heating. This is punishing Canadians from coast to coast to coast. And now the, uh, the Liberals are siding with the separatists in this country to punish one, uh, one, one group of Canadians while giving tax relief to a small number of Canadians, 3% instead of 97%. They should go back to the drawing board and axe the tax for every single Canadian 
everywhere in this country for good. Okay, Peter, last word to you here. You, you well, heard you, Adam you, say he's disappointed in your gov uh, in your party for, for, for voting against the government. Uh, are you tired of the supply and confidence agreement? Is this a move against that? Uh, well, first off, the, the capitulation was two weeks ago when Mr. Trudeau, just on the back of a napkin, just rewrote the, their, their climate change policy. So I, I, we take no lessons from the Liberals. But you asked Ms. Lansman a question about the climate crisis, and she was unable to give a single thing that the Conservatives would do which shows how devoid the Conservative Party is under Mr. Polyev's leadership when it comes to anything to touch the environment or climate change. Tomorrow, the NDP is presenting a comprehensive policy. It is an adult policy. It's not something on the back of a napkin like Mr. Trudeau. It's not something that denies climate change like Mr. Polyev. It's actually something under Jagmeet Singh's leadership that will bring real benefit motion, to people. And so that, that motion will be debated and hopefully adopted by the majority of members of Parliament. It will allow for heat pumps to go to Canadians. It will ensure that the GST is taken off immediately, which helps people right across the country, including British Columbia and Quebec, and will ensure that the excess profits uh, that big oil and gas have been earning over the course of the last few years actually serves a public good, and that makes sure that we can pay for the, the heat pump program for Canadians. This is the kind of comprehensive policy that Canadians expect, and um, Given the theatrics of Mr. Polyev and uh, the improvisation of Mr. Trudeau, it's about time uh, that we have a leader like Jagmeet Singh that actually steps up for Canadians. Okay, well, we'll be watching the vote tomorrow. But for now, Adam Vancouverton, Melissa Lansman, Peter Julian, thank you for the time this evening. Thanks, thank, you. thank you. Thanks, Michael. To Halifax now, where the country's premiers gathered for a meeting of the Council of the Federation. And while housing and health care were big topics of discussion, the debate in Ottawa about the federal carbon tax and home heating also made the agenda. One immediate action uh, that we discussed as premiers that can be taken uh, to address the affordability challenges uh, that uh, is to ensure that all Canadians are treated fairly by the federal government when it comes to the federal carbon tax and home heating. Um, and it's certainly not lost on, um, on our group that the, the Prime Minister has not convened uh, a full in-person First Minister's meeting since uh, 2018. Uh, so we uh, again reiterate our call for a First Minister's meeting. Well, joining us now in Halifax is the Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe. Premier, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Michael. So a big agenda today, you're talking about housing, uh, affordability, health care, but without a doubt, the closing news conference seemed to be very dominated by the carbon tax. What exactly was being said about that behind closed doors? You know, the discussion wasn't so much about the policy and whether, um, you know, various uh, jurisdictions across Canada felt it was the right policy or the wrong policy or an effective policy for that matter. But it was about the most recent decision by the federal government to exempt uh, home heating fuel and how that was, uh, you know, inherently unfair uh, to Canadian families that uh, may use a different heating source, may have invested already in a different heating source or, or may not have uh, any other he uh, choice outside of, in Saskatchewan's case, we have about 15 percent of our population that uses electric or propane, of which will not be impacted by uh, this decision. And so the, the inherent unfairness of the, uh, of the federal government's decision to Canadian families was really the focus of the discussion today. You use the word unfairness, but of course you've heard it from, from Justin Trudeau himself. He argues the government program here is meant to be a targeted program. Doesn't Ottawa have the right to bring about a targeted program from time to time, uh, if not legal, at least precedent? 
Well, he's, he said that home heating fuel is uh, a dirty way to to heat your home. Well, by that, and and so his solution to that is to pause the carbon tax and invest in in heat pumps uh, in in the transitionary uh, mechanism. By that same metric, he should pause the carbon tax on on natural gas and coal fired electricity and invest in the transitionary um, uh, sources of of uh, electrical generation in a place like Saskatchewan. And so it just doesn't add up. Um, and by excluding uh, other Canadians uh, that may be on uh, equally expensive uh, heating sources like electricity, like propane, uh, it just is inherently unfair to to Canadians. And I I think the uh, the, the premiers unanimously felt uh, that was the case. Uh, we most certainly have felt uh, that's the case in Saskatchewan. And, and we've indicated that if the federal government doesn't, uh, um, you know, bring some some common sense and logic to this conversation and, and, and make what we feel is the right decision in treating Canadian families fairly, and um, we'll do what we can to treat uh, Saskatchewan families um, as fairly by making a similar decision uh, that, that we may be able to make in Saskatchewan as the federal government has made that predominantly impacts Atlantic Canada. Okay, well, let's pick up on that point, because, of, of course, we, you and I have talked about uh, the, this uh, potential of not collecting the carbon tax come the new year in order to give people in Saskatchewan, uh, as you say, an equal break when it comes to the carbon tax. Uh, we heard from P Premier Higgs uh, of New Brunswick saying that he, too, is going to uh, ask his legal team to look into a possibility for his province to, to extend the tax break to, to others. Are you now looking at some type of joint legal action with other premiers when it comes to the carbon tax? Well, what we would hope is, is there's some time here uh, and a vote today um, that the federal government uh, really revisits this decision. Uh, we would hope that the federal government, uh, you know, isn't in uh, in the business or intentionally treating Canadian families unfairly. Uh, regardless of what a federal minister might come out and say uh, with respect to uh, how many Liberals are voted in in Atlantic Canada versus uh, the Prairie Provinces. Uh, we would hope uh, that the, the federal government is, uh, you know, always looking as to how they can treat all Canadian families fairly, regardless of, of the federal number of federal MPs uh, they have elected and for which uh, party. Um, so that's the answer to this. Um, we may take, be able to take some action, very controversial action in Saskatchewan, utilizing our publicly owned Crown Utility companies, um, but that would still not impact all Saskatchewan families. If if we took action in, in, the, in the natural gas space, for example, that's about 85% of our families. If we happen to go a step further and take action in, uh, in our electricity space and uh, impact those that are utilizing electric heat in northern uh, Indigenous uh, or rural uh, communities, Communities, uh, that wouldn't still leave uh, those that are utilizing propane as a fuel source uh, uh, paying this uh, this inherently unfair carbon tax. And so the right thing to do is for the federal government to revisit this decision, treat all Canadian families, including those in Saskatchewan, fairly. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point in today's news conference, Premier Smith uh, used Quebec as an example. Now, it was had to do with housing, but the point that she was making uh, had had to do with provincial consultation and I'm wondering what you what you would say to that when it comes to the carbon tax to housing to pharmacare to health care what would you say about the need for provincial consultation and do you as Premier of Saskatchewan need to enact something that would make that necessary as Quebec has done with housing and negotiating with the province rather than municipalities there's broad consideration and I would say uh, support for looking at, uh, uh, you know, when it comes uh, to housing um, and expanding our housing opportunities, whether they be in our largest cities uh, like Toronto and Vancouver, for example, that uh, where they do have a challenge uh, with needing additional houses. We have a challenge uh, as well. Uh, 
in in uh, in other uh, communities for example uh, we have underfunded uh, housing in our indigenous communities uh, which is primarily a federal responsibility and so when it comes to uh, housing in our urban centers and and uh, how we're supporting that housing through clean and wastewater uh, infrastructure through uh, recreational infrastructure and ensuring that uh, there is uh, recreational facilities there to attract families there the province needs to be at the table the the federal government simply cannot go over or around the the province straight to a municipality, for example. Uh, we all have a, a voice and a, and a role in expanding housing in a in a um, an organized and, and constructive format. Uh, the federal government uh, through funding, the provincial government uh, through uh, the tools that we have, and the municipal governments. And so to exclude one of those uh, would be short-sighted. And uh, there's a real interest from the provinces in ensuring that that doesn't happen. And Quebec has already taken a, a few of those steps, but the, the provinces are looking at even further steps. Steps. Uh, to, to the issue of the fact that there hasn't been a First Minister's Conference in a number of years now, uh, what do you think needs to happen there? Well, I think we do have to uh, get together as uh, first ministers across this nation to re regroup. And, and, you know, it's been a challenging number of years. It's not to say that uh, as first ministers, we haven't had discussions, uh, but an official first ministers uh, conference, in-person first ministers conference conference has not occurred since uh, 2018. So it is time for us to regroup and, and to start talking about strategic, strategic infrastructure, not just housing, but how we are supporting uh, that housing in our communities, whether they be uh, northern indigenous communities, whether they be growing and vibrant towns and cities in Saskatchewan or whether they be uh, large, our largest centres in, in Canada like Vancouver and Toronto that have a uh, their challenges as, as well. Uh, always with an eye to being fair uh, to all Canadians, but I would say also uh, revisiting our, our strategic um, national infrastructure like our corridors that are uh, transporting goods to ports uh, ultimately and uh, those are conversations that I think uh, are very impactful for uh, the health and wealth of our nation not just in the next year or two but for the next number of decades and so it's time to come together. Premier Scott Moe always appreciate the time thank you for this. Thank you so much Michael. Well let's continue the discussion now with the Premier of New Brunswick Blaine Higgs. Premier thank you for taking the time this evening. You're very welcome. Now, as I said to Premier Mo, uh, I kept hearing the word fairness at the closing news conference today, but when it comes to this pause in the carbon tax on home heating oil, really, it's meant to benefit or does benefit Atlantic Canadians. How is it not fair to New Brunswickers? Well, I mean, I, I think it, it, it does benefit Atlantic Canadians. We know that, the, that there was a kind of a, a situation here and, and where we're high content of oil and, and our heating homes and all of our Atlantic provinces. But I think it's reasonable to say that it should apply to all heating mediums. And uh, and that's what my colleagues have been asking for. And the principle of the carbon tax, even though I, I, I don't believe it's been effective in achieving what it may have intended to do, um, was that it would be uniform across the country. So this little caveat, you know, was, was uh, carried out uh, by the Prime Minister for rather, you know, um, non-climate action reasons. And, and I think the point is it, it should be uniform across the country. You say for, for non-climate action reasons, uh, are, are you certain of that? Well, it seems pretty self-evident that, that there's been such a hard line on the climate tax. Um, but but I, I would say on the, on the carbon tax, I would say that we should have an assessment here of why, why uh, was it put in place originally? What was it intended to um, achieve? And, and is it achieving that? Because right now, affordability is an issue across this country. I feel that we are basically penalizing Canadians 
for for a very small gain, if any gain whatsoever, because it's hard to, to measure, but it's certainly not hard to measure in the affordability clock. And and we could be a world player here to reduce emissions, and instead we're focused on our own little bubble here in Canada and, and imposing hardship across this country for um, unnecessary reasons. But we could we could be have an impact on on countries, let's say that like China, that are running 1,100 coal plants, and our energy sources could be offsetting Russian supply to to Europe, and supply and shutting down coal plants in Europe by gas supply. There's a huge window here for us to be a major major contributor to climate change, and it's not from looking within our own country and penalizing every citizen in, in this country. Uh, except that we did hear Premier uh, Eby today, British Columbia, uh, basically credit carbon pricing uh, for pushing his province to use less uh, carbon-heavy forms of energy, and he makes the argument it does work. What do you say to that? Well, my point would be this. If he thinks that climate change is going to happen in Canada, if, if, if we become carbon neutral in Canada at 1.5% of world emissions, it will have no impact on the, on the emissions and, and the issue that we have across, this, um, across the globe on, on world emissions. If you look at major emitting countries like, like China, like India, like the US, I mean, they're focused on industry and, and not on the people. Um, and and they're, in the case of cheap energy, China is focused on coal because it's cheap energy. In the, in the case of the U.S. and reducing emissions, they're focused on industry making those changes. They're focused on technology. They're not focused on penalizing the average consumer. And that's what we do. And, and I'm sure both Quebec and, and D.C., they have uh, revenue that's coming in on this program that they've had for some time, and they don't want to lose that revenue. Uh, but I'm saying right now in our country, we have an affordability issue that's been created by federal policies, and it, and it needs to be corrected. And we need to think bigger on emissions that we can actually have a major impact on. Uh, across the globe. Now, you know, as you're, you're, you're speaking right now, it, it occurs to me that when you look down the table, it, it does seem that the provinces with the biggest beef on the carbon tax are still Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, and New Brunswick. Has this suspension uh, on home heating oil tax, is that just resurrecting uh, old concerns here, though? Well, let's let's just think about how did it come about? And, and I mentioned about the the, the, the polls in the country seem to have an impact on the federal decision to, to implement a heating oil carbon rebate or suspend the carbon tax for three years. Um, so all of a sudden, climate change doesn't become such a big issue because the polls are down. Now, I would say that the issue here really, again, is let's do an analysis of what the carbon tax is doing. Let's have a, a scientific look at the impact we can make in the country. And that's my point, is that we're thinking too small here. And, and we're not going to solve it unless we get world momentum here on climate reduction and climate emissions um, reduction. You know, it was noted during the closing news conference that the, the prime minister has not called for a first minister's meeting in quite some time. Uh, will the premiers invite him to a meeting to talk about uh, the issue of taxation and the carbon tax regime in, in, in general? Yes, I, I'm sure we will. And it was also about infrastructure as well, because we're seeing more and more projects that are being unilaterally picked in different communities within our in, within our respective provinces and basically bypassing the provincial government. That's not how the system is supposed to work, and that's what the, the other point made today, um, that we will look at legislation, um, you know, kind of collectively across this country, but it will emulate legislation that already exists in Quebec. I mean, Quebec uh, government negotiates for the province, and, and then they deal with the, the funding models throughout the, throughout the province. But we're seeing more and more of the federal government going direct to municipalities. And that was the point that was being made. Premier Higgs, really appreciate the time as always. Thank you for this.
You're very welcome. Have a good evening. Well, a look now at the other stories making headlines today. Quebec public sector workers held a one-day strike today with education workers, social workers and some hospital employees delaying the start of their work week or working at lower capacity. Four different unions representing over 400,000 workers organized the limited strike, pushing back on the Quebec provincial government's latest contract offer. The unions say they will strike again near the end of the month if the offer doesn't improve. To New York, where Donald Trump testified today in the civil case against him, the judge has already ruled Trump committed fraud by inflating the value of his properties. But the judge must now decide if the former U.S. president should be fined a quarter of a billion dollars and banned from doing future business in New York. Instead of answering the questions put to him, though, Mr. Trump used much of his time railing against the proceedings today and New York's attorney general. The civil trial is just one of many legal battles Donald Trump faces. He is also facing several criminal indictments. Still no word tonight on when Canadians trapped in Gaza may be able to get to safety in neighboring Egypt. Over the weekend, the Rafah border crossing, the only way out of those stuck in the territory, was suddenly closed after an Israeli strike on an ambulance in Gaza. It has since reopened, but only for Egyptians and some previously approved foreign citizens. Global Affairs Canada says there are about 450 Canadians registered in Gaza and the West Bank, with the government saying Canadians will be able to cross into Egypt in the coming days. And an explosion at Canada's High Commission in Nigeria has killed at least two people and injured two others. This according to emergency officials in the capital city of Abuja. The Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie confirmed the incident saying in a social media post, Canada is quote, working to shed light on what caused this situation. And that is our program for this Monday evening. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. I'm Michael Serapio. Primetime Politics will be back tomorrow night. But up next, Esther Bejan avec l'Essentiel.